hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Minutes Podcast. My name is Imran Laska. I'm a consultant radiologist and I am very pleased to have a special guest with me today, someone very special to me. This is the mother of my niece. This is Romana Daoud Laska. Please introduce yourself. <laughs> I think about all <laughs> that all get... this week. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't actually even get my name properly right there. And also, why am I mother of your niece and not just your sister? <laughs> this is what happens, isn't it? The other. But this is what happens. It's the same with our parents. <laughs> Have you not noticed? They, if I turn up to our house now, my parents are like, yeah, but we're the kids. Like, where yeah, are they? That's true. And what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, don't want you around. You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So You're similar things a, happen here. <laughs> a cab, just a taxi cab. Exactly. If you turn around, if you turn to my place, like, yeah, where's my niece? Where is she? What, what's the point of coming over? Yeah. That's anyway, true. so mother of my niece. Yes, please <laughs> introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everyone. It's my first time on here. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, my name is Romana. I am Imran's sister. I'd actually like to clarify that. Is that okay if I clarify that? Yeah, you go because, for it. You've got some things um, to share, so go for it. I have bit of a bone to pick, I don't know, a chip on my shoulder. Lots of people, because my husband is also a radiologist, and so everyone just assumes that I work under my married name. When I don't, I work under my maiden name. So everyone comes up to me and is like, oh, is your husband Imran Asuka? And I don't know about you, but there's something really creepy about having your brother being mentioned as your <laughs> husband. So it's just, I just need to shut that down. Not my husband, my brother. You are my Obviously, it's quite cool for me that people are remotely asking in the first place. But uh, yeah, no, I completely get that. But there's a story behind this. Do you want to share the story about your husband being a radiologist and how you were thinking about being a radiologist under the heavy influence of myself? Is that something you want to talk about or should we just move on? I, what I would say is you mm. say, oh, that's quite cool that people come up to me about the podcast and stuff. And people do. There's, I've had students come up and say, oh, is, are you related in any way to this guy who does the podcast? But come on, my entire career from my medical school, <laughs> throughout my medical career, I've always been following around with, oh, do you know Imran Asker? Like all the time. Medical school, let's be honest, probably not the best impression to follow him on. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, but, what are you um, trying to say? What are you trying to say? My medical we went to the same medical school. was phenomenal. Yeah, By we went way, to the same school and yeah, medical school. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, I was well known for, I don't know if that was a good thing, yeah, for flunking a lot, yeah. unfortunately. But I don't think that's why people knew me. I know that was that following me around and they joked about me being the binary man for a while. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. After, I don't think medical school is probably not so much, but after I became a doctor, every time I went anywhere, just someone always knew you. That's weird, isn't it? I don't know why. I like to, I, I keep thinking to myself, I'm a quiet personality, but clearly, you're not. I'm not a quiet yeah. personality at all. This is just the way I am. And unfortunately, but you say that, let's not forget, okay, a little bit about Romana. She's very into craft. So if you do like to follow her, do look up Romana Alaska or the little pomegranate on Instagram. Quite a big, what's your following on Instagram these days? Do you know what? We should ask my mum. <laughs> Our mum. Our yeah. mum tracks these things. You no, know, she told me today, actually. She said to me, mm. oh, your following hasn't gone up recently and I was like who, oh, no. who is I don't need any of these stats blogs I've got my mum mm, yeah um, that's true I don't know was it like 29k yeah but why are people so interested in what you're up to why are you on Instagram or what's going on there oh do you want me to tell this story yeah go on why not it was exciting okay. man I mean so I was on the Great British Sewing Bee gosh 2016 I think it was so yeah I mean I had a great time on the show managed to scrape through to being a quarterfinalist, that was on my F3 actually. So it was a really, really great experience. And after that, I've just been juggling all sorts of things in my career, quite mm. a portfolio GP. But you know what, you say that about you people coming up to you about me, but I remember during that time, people were coming to up to me about you. And I think when I was at Imperial training, people obviously started to find out that you were on the show and stuff. Some people actually watched you on that show. And they were coming up to me telling me that, oh, I really like what Romana's got for your daughter for her birthday. I was like, I don't even know what she's got for my, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it turned out you'd been like putting stories about having, making this quill and you were talking about it and putting it together. I had no idea. And then I looked, I was like, okay, this is going to ruin a few presents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forget that. And the thing is, I find it so, I keep it so separate mentally from being like my real life stuff. So when people mention stuff, I'm like, okay, I just find that creepy. Why do you know? what like what I'm marrying or that I made that or and it's like obvious yeah because yeah, my friends I mean, obviously follow me yeah, but, yeah, yeah I mean, it's you, putting it out there then yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's there for all to see it's funny yeah. about a mom actually because I think I think once I think recently I was on a radiopedia so I was really excited I, like, oh, I was on radiopedia and they're like yeah what's that 
I said, like, it's like a really big website. I was like, yeah, but no, what is it? And I was like, just don't worry about it. It's just, it was a big deal for me. It's okay. But she does <laughs> understand Instagram followers. So. Yeah, she does understand that. But I she thinks yeah. she cares about Twitter or anything else. So far enough, like, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. So, yeah, she's always good to go for an opinion. Speaking about opinions, sorry, I'm quite known for doing these segues, by the way. So you have to get used okay. to that. Talking about opinions, I don't know whether this is something that... Okay, so Romana is a GP. There was a point when she was thinking about doing radiology, and but decided, quite rightly so, that GP was better for her. And actually, her husband went into radiology. Is now becoming a consultant who's just CCT'd. Is he finished now? He's taking... He's got his last day tomorrow. No, Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. yeah. Last wow. day of this week. Exciting, yeah. isn't it? It really is. It yeah. really is exciting. But anyway, coming to opinion, mm -hmm. someone called Haney Raggi tweeted, a patient with completely, truly asymptomatic CTO. I have no idea what that means, by the way. And excellent exercise capacity. So I assume this is cardiology-based because Therusha stuck this in. Capacity came to see me while back in Egypt for a holiday. I confirmed the decision of his NHS cardiologist in London, reassured him, he went for a third opinion via his private insurance in UK and was scheduled for PCIs. So this is one of the situations where someone's essentially shopping for the opinion that mm. kind of fits what they want. Is this something that happens to you as a GP? Do, does that come up? Yeah, of course. That's just standard. I've got to say, I read that and I had no, I was like, oh my goodness, this is beyond me. But yeah, I yeah, of course. Is And the thing is, if you go to a GP, you're more likely to see a different GP every time. So you're just... You could just try <laughs> hedging your bets and who's going to give you antibiotics. Yeah, because they could quite rightly say the other GP did this. And then what do you do? Yeah, always. What, what do you do in that situation? Always. And then also, yeah, we get the same thing with the NHS. The thing is, we can give an opinion. And, in, and I guess it's a, a big frustration in primary care, being a GP, is that I can give you an opinion. We can manage a lot of conditions, but it's not going to matter to certain patients because they're going to want to see the hospital doctor to give them exactly the same opinion. But yeah, so I, it's a common it is isn't it it is I, it reminds me of yeah with i guess with being muslim as well sometimes you'll find people trying to get an opinion that kind of fits what they want to do don't you think like I, i've met a few people mm. but i remember back in the day there were a few brothers and then if they didn't like the opinion of something they, <laughs> they would literally walk around and then ask the next bro and the next bro and then eventually find someone that kind of give them what they want I think it's, it's just it's human nature. It's a bit nature, like in the summer when the fasts are so long and people just find a <laughs> way to get the shortest fast possible. Yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, there's a, there's some something where you don't have to fast as long. You could do a shorter yeah, fast. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a good time <laughs> employ, to employ that. I've considered that too myself. Why well, make things harder than they be easy? <laughs> the thing that's frustrating about this particular situation is that someone yeah. does cave. It's like the antibiotics, isn't it? Where mm. you do this whole conjunctivitis. Okay, I'm going to go for mm. a really basic GP thing. It mm. doesn't need treatment. And then someone caves and then once that person's caved that person will expect <laughs> to be treated every single time yeah or even yeah. like prescriptions giving prescriptions for things like paracetamol we're not supposed to technically do it that person did it that doctor gave it and you're like oh okay oh. it must be so personality based because i can imagine being a bit like yeah whatever just take what you want to go you know what i mean because i feel like that's happened to me in radiology is that in the beginning when i first started i used to say no and i think quite rightly but as time went on you start realizing that if I said no, someone more senior would say yes, or they'd just come the next day and then find the next person on yeah. duty. And the next thing you know, you'd be reporting the scan you just said no to a few days later. It, all you're doing was delaying the yeah, scan happening. Delaying, yeah. So it's inevitable. I think that we do live in a bit more consumer situation where people, you know, was that someone said to me that my GP is really good. And I was like, okay, what makes him so good? And I was like, oh, they just give me what I want. And I thought, that doesn't sound like a good GP. That sounds like <laughs> a GP that just gives you what you want. And what you want yeah. can't always be the right thing. But uh, that's what people are like, right? I can, mm. I guess I can understand on some level. If you don't get what you want, then what, do you, what are you turning up for? Yeah. So you did F3. That's right. Yeah. So you, what did you do during that time? Did you do, I can't remember. Did you do locums? Did you do a lot of locums? I've literally, I don't think I've ever done a locum. I'm just trying to think. Okay. I, there's something about... I, this kind of here's a nice little movement. There's something mm. about locums. <laughs> so I'm gonna be a bit like whoever that model is. I just don't think I could ever be paid enough for me to willingly go into work if I'm not contracted to. Oh yeah, what? I get that. No, I get that. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. I don't. I no, I didn't do any locums. I was a teaching fellow, so I had a nine to five job at a university, which was great, and I loved it. Um, you probably like me. Yeah, and then I filmed mm. the sewing bee for a couple of months. So then, yeah, I had a great year. But yeah, no, I've, I actually haven't done a locum. I don't think I've ever done a locum shift. Mm. I'm just trying to think about my. So I, I've been qualified for nearly 10 years. Yeah. Has it I been that I, long? 
Oh, it's been oh, yeah, nearly ten years. And even now, we're I probably money wise, and we probably need me to locum, but just the idea of it is just awful. I, just the idea makes me feel slightly sick. I think I've locum, but I locum as a consultant, and it was a consultant job that I was going to be taking as a substantive anyway, and they just needed someone to come in. Quickly. Did you not locum before that? No, I, I can't be bothered. I, That's I think, it. I think, yeah, I think yeah, I'd yeah, just yeah. be I just poor. Be I just it's different. Obviously, the financial situation is different, but yeah, I just. I did no, you can't. I don't think there is a rate high enough to get me to come in and my time off. Yeah, I guess so. But I think for me, I was very lazy, as you probably remember. And mm. I was, I think, for I had a few months off in between finishing F2 and starting radiology. And I just lived at home. I couldn't be bothered. And I think a lot of people wouldn't do that. But I did because it was just cheaper. And I didn't mind living at home for a few months, even though even at 25 years old. And I felt no need to locum, but I can imagine it must be tough for people who do, who do need to. And actually, there's a tweet from Annie. That was a hashtag BMA doctors vote yes at Imperial NHS. Why did all your F1s just cancel their locum shifts? I saw that. You saw this? Yeah. Do you want to read As the in rest? I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah, because they asked you to raise the medical rates to equal the surgical rates. So this is about being equal amongst everyone else. You instead decreased the surgical rates, <laughs> including for the shifts already booked. Wow. This yeah, is what you make I, of that? I just can't, I can't deal with how like backwards management can be. Like, how would that make sense to you? How there is just I was talking about who was I talking to? I don't know. I was talking about like the human side of management. Like, mm. I really think the NHS struggles to have a human side to management. It's the little things that make you feel like you're cared for that mm. then mean that you actually do feel like oh actually I will come in and I will cover that shift and I will do mm. that but if people treat you like robots if they treat you like numbers you're n like this is just exa exactly that it's just why would you reduce the rate it's just so bad I can't believe these kind of things are happening and I read that and I was like I'm quite I don't know removed from hospital medicine now but that just oh it really brought me straight back to being an F1 and just makes me angry it makes uh -huh. me so angry Honestly, I, I always rate anyone that could bothers continuing with any sort of ward work or anything like that. Because I remember finishing F2, I think beginning of F, middle F1, beginning F1, I was sitting outside Barnet and I was like, I ain't doing this anymore. And I told the Reg, I'm quitting. I'm done with this. And she's like, no, don't be like that. Don't be like that. And, I, and she goes, it will get better. And it never did. I hated everything. I hated absolutely everything about being on the wards. I hated those emails coming in. I hated that those signs that pop about having biscuits. You're not allowed to have biscuits. You're not allowed to have tea from the tea station. I hated <laughs> all of it. I absolutely hated all of it. And the only time it only got better was when I walked into radiology and people were being nice to me. Oh, okay. Mm. As in, as a radiologist, when I was shadowing them, probably part of the reason I ended up going down this road. But uh, talking about morale and all that, there was Mandeep Batarai who also tweeted, good moral morale booster for an IMG trainee starting off in the NHS. And the reason why they take yeah. issue with this is because they've literally written GPST1, open brackets, IMG, close brackets, general medicine, as if the IMG is a very important part of their identity that needs to be highlighted to people around. What do you think they're trying to get at? Why do you think people need to know that this person's an IMG? How does that help? I, do you know what? I, I really want to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Because when people are making ID badges, they just mm. write whatever's on the form. Like, I just, mm. I really want to give the person who made the actual ID badge benefit of the doubt that they were just completing the form and they put it in not knowing what it really meant. But mm. obviously, the impact of it is huge. And yeah, as you said, it's just completely isolates someone and kind of picks them out of a crowd for no reason. Especially mm. when we know how international graduates are treated and how much more at risk they are to being referred onto the GMC. All of these things, all the discrimination they face. It's just, mm. yeah, I can, it, it is really horrible for that person. I would just cut up that ID and go get a new one and tell them to, exactly what to type on it. <laughs> I'll probably just tape it up or tip exit or something so that there's no questions asked. Just get rid of it, isn't it, on the slide. But yeah, I think they... I think the situation that, same as a locum coming in to do a shift, like I feel like they're always on the back foot just because they're mm. the locum. And IMG will always come in on the back foot. Like they, the kind of, pe I think people, people will always feel like, oh, here we go. We got an IMG. I feel like there's yeah. a sentiment there that people don't want to mention. And I think if you are an international medical graduate and it's highlighted on top of that, then it can't feel great, isn't it? You're probably feeling a little bit out of place anyway. You know, that kind of imposter syndrome when yeah. you've got no reason yeah. to feel like an imposter, but it just takes that one thing to remind you. That, just someone oh, constantly reminding you that you're not one of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, 
that kind of pressure actually makes it harder to do a good job, I feel. Do you Definitely. think? And this is slightly off topic, but it's also about how you identify yourself. Mm. Like, I don't know. Did I tell you about this? I was just, I started recently back at university teaching. And for the basically the first two months, I wanted to hit my head against the brick wall because okay. they didn't accept me going under the name of Roman Alaska. So Alaska is obviously my maiden name. We share the same surname. And mm. I work professionally under that name. So I mm. graduated with that name, kept all my certificates. And people don't seem to understand this. I, and I don't understand why people can't understand this, that I would prefer to be called a certain name. And so every time I fill in my paperwork, when it comes to medicine, anything to do with my career, it has Lasker in it. That's how I want to be identified. That's how I introduce myself. And basically, they they just kept coming, bouncing back and putting my married name on, even though I'd be like, no, please, that's not my name. And like, even the students couldn't find me because I introduced myself as Dr. Lasker. They mm. don't know who Dr. Darwood is. That's not me. It's just not me. Mm. And, and it's just got so annoying because they just wouldn't let me call get myself called the name I want to be called and in the mm. end I had to call up HR I had to send in a picture of my passport because my passport has both names I have a one of those extra lines in my passport that says also mm. known as because mm. someone once tried to stop me from doing an exam mm. because oh, wow. in my yeah they were like no you haven't got the right name and I was like no I go by both names I'm allowed mm. to go by both names and it's just so it when you have your name taken away from me, and I don't know, I just got really emotional about this because it's it's my decision. It's my mm. name. I get to choose which name I have my email set up under, what mm. name you tell, introduce people like me to. I get to choose that. So I can mm. see why having someone else put something else on your ID card because they did it on my ID card in the end. And I this was months of me going back and forth, telling this university, this is how I want you to set up my name. Mm. And them ignoring me. It, it was really frustrating. Really frustrating. God, I do rate you, honestly, for doing that in the first place. I didn't, in truth, I never thought you were going to change your name, like actually change your name or even add a name. I thought that just wasn't going to happen. Because I think we joked about it, didn't we? I think I joked that really? I'm going to be the only Dr. Lasker in the family if you're going to get married. And then you got married in medical school. So I thought, sweet. Yeah. And I joked again, oh, sweet, this is going to happen. I'm actually yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. the only Dr. Lasker in the family. And you went, no, I'm not changing my name. And then... You put Dawood on the end, and I was like, well, I thought you said you weren't going to change your name. Like, I, I, feel really I felt really strongly that I went into medical school, and I was going to come out to medical school, and it was it was our parents that put us through, and that is my name, and mm. that's how I wanted to come out. And that's why I quite like having both. So I don't have a double barrel name. I just, I literally flip between one of the other. I don't even remember what name I give people most of the time. But mm. professionally, I have kept that, because that's who I am. So I don't know. I just, I think people really struggle with that, and it's really frustrating as a woman, I think maybe more so because people just see your married name and assume that's what you, who you are. And you're like, no, mm. that's, oh, I get really annoyed. Because if someone <laughs> called me yeah. Dr. Darwin, I wouldn't respond because it's not my name. I genuinely mm. don't use it at all. Funnily enough, weirdly, my mm. uh, three patients the other day called me Roman. <laughs> oh, nice. That's cool. No, okay, no, okay, no. weird. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, How yeah. would you feel if you're consulting a patient and they call you Imran? I do, you know what? I don't want to talk to anyone anyway, so I just let them go. Whatever. Oh, I, I, I just, genuinely just let it fly. I've got. I don't know. Basically, I've got really to get them in. Way. I've got to get them out. That is it. Just do the okay. scan and they call me whatever they want. Let me just do the scan. Go. I've got coffees to have. I've got places to be. No, but I'm joking. But I, I do. When Robbie, when Robbie and I go on holiday, she's normally the one that does the bookings. Yeah. And whenever we go abroad, they always assume that Robbie has taken on my name, but she's never changed her name. So then I, be I become Mr. Khan's. That's just the way it is. So the entire holiday is like, Mr. Khan's. Like, yeah, hi, hi. How's it going? Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Have you not? Doesn't ever happen to you? <laughs> no. I wonder if that's a unique problem. But yeah, always. I'm Mr. Khan's. When I'm abroad and other places, I'm Mr. Khan's. <laughs> Does that not annoy you? I At guess all. you're used to it. I guess it's a holiday yeah. thing. You know what, like, interestingly, when we were getting, I had a few friends getting married around the same time as myself. A few mm. of them, my mates started having this sort of conversations on the sly. Are you going to, it was weird. Are you going to make a change of name? I, like, I never even brought that up. It never even crossed my mind. And it became, for some people, it was a very contentious issue. I want yeah. her, I want my wife to take my name. And I thought, yeah. but why? Who cares? It doesn't matter. But I think it is like a cultural thing that people or some people really feel like, 
Yeah. Someone is not going to be 100% their wife or part of their team if they don't take their name. It's weird. Which I don't get, personally. I don't care. Like I said, Robbie didn't, never changed her name. I never asked yeah. her to. Never. I like the idea. We have a family name, so we do. Like me, mm. my daughter, and my husband, we have the same name, if you look at mm. one of my names. But I go by both. And I like that I managed to keep my surname, mm. our surname, as a, mm. as a middle name. Yeah. But again, it's about your choice, isn't it? I guess it's being how you choose to identify Mm. And how you choose to have your name is really the main thing. Interesting that you mentioned our parents, Iran, because you said obviously you did. You came into med school, parents and all that. Have you found our parents with regards to medicine and the interaction with medicine? Because they were, they were very, they wanted us to become doctors, but they don't like seeing a doctor, do they? They really don't like doctors at all. That's our dad. <laughs> no, our dad doesn't like doctors. Our dad doesn't like doctors. I feel like my our mum is a regular in the GP surgery. Yeah, I don't think it's because she wants to, because half the time she... <laughs> but then she goes to the... What are they What are they called? I know it's really bad. I don't know. She gets these random pills from homeopathic medicine, and she would treat, tell me to take homeopathic medicine sometimes. I ain't taking that. No, not a chance. But she's very up for homeopathy, homeopathy and going to see these people and giving a lot yeah. of money. It's just it's bizarre, isn't it? I just don't get it. I just don't no, understand. I think the funniest argument is when we are told, when I'm like, let go see your GP. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what was the point of getting two doctors in the family? No yeah, point. No true. one's my doctor. And it's like, yeah, that's just how it works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've stopped asking me now because they know I only look at scans and I don't like it half the time anyway. So yeah. they don't ask me anything. I think they've come after you now because you're you're actually like a proper, I can tell you about medicine and stuff, but me, it's, I don't know, get an ultrasound or something. Were you about to say a proper doctor? Yeah, Were you I called the proper doctor? You are a proper doctor. Me? I don't feel like a proper doctor. If someone faints, oh, I'm thinking I'm going the, the other way, mate. One of our parents introduced, was saying, oh yeah, my son's a consultant and my, do- G- my daughter's just a GP. And I was like, standing there, excuse Ouch. me? <laughs> I bet that was our dad. He does stuff like that. No, wasn't no. It? What? Wow, I'm surprised at that. I thought that would be our dad. He's obviously yeah. very proud of both of us. I just sometimes yeah. little things like that slip, and you're like, "Sorry." I've noticed that sometimes when I go into a family thing, and I've never met these people, he will introduce me as Doctor Imran. I'm like, "No, I'm. Why? That's just the first thing to start with." Maybe but, it's you know, an Asian fine, thing, though, isn't you know. it? Just that that kind of doctor. I have to say, if status. it wasn't if it wasn't for me having Dr. in front of my name, I don't think I would have ever made them like proud of me in terms of like I was never a high achiever I was never going to do particularly well I was always going to flunk things and then when you get through med school it didn't matter if you're the bottom rung you still got a DR at the front of your name it doesn't matter (laughs) and so that one thing has literally given me my entire life in terms of it probably had something to do with me getting married (laughs) and it probably had a lot to do with me being able to do everything that I do now and stuff yeah that even the third class doctorate degree is still a DR so I've uh, do you know that. what I tell my students this so much because I have year ones and year twos and they panic so much about their grades and literally I email them with like my formative results of 49% being like no one cares hmm. literally no one is going to care when you come out of medical school no one is going to care like you all yeah. just doctors there's no great for the people who get the gold medal and stuff yeah that's fine the rest of you no one's gonna care so don't stress but I think it goes on all the way through. Like, I think when I was in training, people, oh, I've got to get publications, I've got to get posters in. I did nothing. Genuinely, I think I got forced to put my name on a few things. And it just yeah. happened to be because I knew people that knew people. They recommended me. They seemed to like me. I locum there for a while, confirmed that I was, like, a, I think a decent enough guy. And they took you on. And I think whether people like it or not, I think that is part of the way things work. Because when you're working somewhere for, let's say, 20 years, they don't want to just have someone with like lots of accolades, but they don't get along with. You do need someone. You'd oh, rather yeah. take someone with a few accolades that fits in with the department, if that's a, a nice yeah. way to say it. Otherwise, you're going to just have a really hard time for 20, 30 years of work together or sharing an office. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big shift that happens, isn't it, when you get to that point in your career is where you're less, obviously, you need to have qualifications, but there's less emphasis on that. And actually, like you said, you're going to be working with this person until you retire. You want to be working with someone that you actually get along with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Part of it, right? Well, it kind of takes us on to another tweet saying by Ranjit Kirtan, who says, high education doesn't always lead to high behavior standards. And there's a little meme. Mm. Your degree is just a piece of paper. Your education is seen in your behavior. Now, that is interesting, isn't it? Because I think I find myself talking a lot about private schools versus non-private schools, whether it's worth it or not worth it. And I sometimes justify in my head that there is some education that can be slightly more well-rounded in, in private schools because they've got the facilities to allow that to happen. What do you think? Say the question again. <laughs> oh, so I'm just saying. I'm just trying like, to look um, for the tweet. 
I says, your degree is just a piece of paper. Your education is seen in your behavior. So it's trying to make a difference between, let's say, for example, I've had the situation where I've met a very eminent professor who's just been not very easy to get along with. And they're known to be very difficult to get along with. So actually, their behavior has not been particularly great, but they are who they are. They've got the papers and the accolades. So we've, I think medicine's got a lot of this, no? Where you've got someone with a lot of accolades and stuff, but they're... I don't know, man. The behaviour is just not quite... But you don't even... Even if you strip it back, so it's not just the extra accolades of publications and being professor and stuff. Just having that doctor title, like you said, Mm. does give people a big chip on their shoulder and Mm. they don't know how to behave. I know Mm. we're going to go on to this later, but even just there's just ways that you are to people that you are polite as in just good people being nice people and it Mm. just because you have these degrees doesn't mean you can get away with being an ass you just Mm. and that's i think people hide behind that sometimes people hide behind being doctors and think they can get away with stuff and you're like no that that doesn't that's not how it works it's interesting actually because not that i've got a particular issue with any social media medics as it were because i do see it as probably quite a viable career path especially if it works out for you it's great isn't it like you don't have to do all around stuff if you can make it pay mm. but the only thing I do get a little bit concerned about is that the general public only see doctor such and such and they don't know like that actually if you were to get sick you probably don't want to see the person on that YouTube channel because they've got literally yeah. no qualification beyond getting past medical school and which is still an accolade in itself but if you're sick and you get, get sick and you want advice you probably want to go to someone more senior but when you're on the internet, on YouTube and Instagram and stuff, you're fine and dandy. But just having a DR in front of your name, I don't think the general public realise that some of these people are very junior and coming across as though they really know a lot of things. And they'll get invited mm. to TV and chat shows and stuff and yeah. give really opinions. And you think, got to be careful. You've got to be careful. You can't be, you've got to qualify that you are who you are. You're not anything more senior than that. Otherwise, you're going to end up in trouble. But That's isn't the that only the, kind of bugbear I have, yeah. Isn't that the benefit of having experience, though? Because do you remember, like, being F1 and you were like, oh, my goodness, I don't know how to do anything. And mm. then you're an F2 and you're like, wow, I, F1's really easy. I've got that experience under my belt. And then mm. as you go through each year, you realise, oh, yeah, actually, last year I had no idea what I was doing, but I've got mm. that experience. So mm. these people feel they are experienced at that point, which is fine. I think what's happened is... The danger is that you overstep that, isn't it? And so Mm. you're then using these pieces of paper, these kind of diplomas and doctors and hiding behind it, but going too far. And I think that is dangerous. But I know I'm looking at the quote and the kind of thing, the other thing is there is an element of truth. And I think, I don't know, it's both sides because... Okay, when I'm teaching my students, I do have to remind them so much of being a doctor isn't the kind of academic side of it. It's not... Mm. The, the, who remembers all the stuff they learn right now? The Krebs cycle. Know? I remember that. The Krebs cycle. The <laughs> Cheese reaction. Hematologists do know the blood cell lines. Okay. That, embryology? All yeah, I remember things. that. Mm. God, I remember embryology. <laughs> I'm you know, sure you I do. Yeah. Embryo- you know what I remember about embryology is that I had a mate. I do you remember him. His name was John, and I used to hang out with him a lot. But he was like super smart. He'd be like in the top 5% of every single exam where I was like literally the mirror image of that in the center anyway so he i remember coming to embryology and he was like advising and then he's like emailing the professors about things he didn't understand about embryology and then he tried to he spent one evening trying to explain to me me being a thick i couldn't understand any of it and i was like listen mate yeah i'm gonna wing this bit because i just don't think it's worth my time and effort and i winged it and actually got around the same marks as him for embryology he was so (laughs) distraught he beat me overall but he was just like you can't you gotta be joking i was like well you know what it's about focused effort and i just maybe you you missed your your calling well, yeah, embryology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, I'm very glad I'm doing what I do right now. It's it equals not seeing people, which is what I want. I'm, I'm saying that there is just so much of our job that isn't related to the nitty gritty physiology side of things. So I mm. see what they're saying with that. It's a lot of our professionalism. It comes under professionalism, like communication, all of that, empathy. Mm. And that's such a big part of it. Because, you know, there's just so many times when I'm seeing patients and they come in and I've literally not touched them. I've not mm. touched them. We just sat, had a conversation, even when they've come in with physical pains and stuff. And, and actually, all you need to do is just communicate. Listen, that's it. And they get up themselves and be like, oh, thanks. I feel so much better. And they walk out and you're like, hang on, I haven't actually done anything. So there is, <laughs> there is so much. Yeah, I don't know. I can see both sides of that one. Yeah, it's. I guess I see what you're saying. I, like I said, I try not to have too much of a conversation if I can manage it. But I can imagine having a conversation can be quite useful, as in you're treating their 
You treat them by talking rather than giving them pills, which is probably mm. ideal. But I think you were alluding to something that we were talking about to one another earlier about anonymous accounts. And I know, I think you were saying, I think you were saying to me that I've ruined Twitter for you. Isn't that right? I've ruined Twitter for you, haven't I, over the years? Yeah, like, you actually uh, have. Yeah, genuinely. go on, tell them, yeah, tell them. How, how yeah, do... so I, with my craft stuff, so I do quite a lot on my social media with my craft stuff, but I keep it quite separate. So I don't really dabble in the whole, so I wouldn't call myself a social media medic at all. And most, to be honest, most people on my Instagram forget I'm a doctor. And sometimes mm. I'm like, okay, no, I have to remind people that, yeah, I have other jobs. And so I keep medicine kind of social media quite, I don't really go on it that much, but because mm. of the algorithm, Everything you like comes up on my page. So I know everything. <laughs> I see all these things. I'm like, hide or, oh, gosh, I didn't want to see that because it makes me angry. It's like mm. I try and avoid it. And then it just comes up. So I know all the goss. I see all the stuff all because of you. And I get all these things. So I, it's nice, actually, because I can keep my kind of finger on the pulse a little bit but without mm. getting too invested and too stressed out about the stupid things people say. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like when we started this, the whole Twitter social media medical thing, like we're just doing it because we thought it was funny, but it ended up being quite a good mirror of the general sentiment of what was going on, like what people Mm. are talking about, what people are worrying about. Obviously, people are talking about strikes and pay and the way they're treated and the bullying and racism, and it just comes up in all its forms. And I think Twitter, and actually, Thrusha is an absolute beast. I've got to give it to him. He's going to listen to this, and there's no words that can describe how much I rate this guy because he does have somehow keep a pulse on everything. Reddit, he's got mm. down. He's got Twitter down. He just knows what's happening all the time. He's got a genuine interest in this stuff and can have a laugh about it too. But people who can't have a laugh sometimes, there was, um, I've been, we've been talking to each other about anonymous accounts and we this yeah. has been coming up a fair bit. And my advice to all anonymous accounts is that you aren't actually anonymous. Believe it or not, there's a few that we already know and it just doesn't take much to figure this stuff out. It's just not that hard. I know you think you're being mm. very smart. But Julia, who's actually, she was a previous guest, but we couldn't keep the recording for various reasons. Julia is unfortunately not very well. I won't go into that. If you follow her, go ahead and hopefully give her some good vibes. But she was talking about not being particularly well. Then someone, I'm not going to say whoever they are because I don't want to pile on them either. But they came in as an anonymous saying, I can't see you becoming a doctor. And then someone did a little bit of digging and found out exactly who their name is, what their GMC is, and told them to go away. And they don't look like they bothered replying or they've just decided to go quiet. I mm. did check their account. They've not been very active, surprisingly enough, since that particular thing. And that's the thing, like, um, there are quite a few anonymous accounts, and I know exactly who they are because they've actually let slip. Someone has told me, someone has mentioned it in a group. And they continue to be emboldened by being a quotation mark anonymous and be quite mean to people. It's really quite shocking sometimes to see some of the things they think they can say, thinking that they people just don't know who they are, but you do. And a lot of the WhatsApp groups... They know who they are and we'll be talking about, oh, did you mm. see what Thing said? And you think, oh, when are they just going to stop doing this? Because we all know who they are. Everyone does. And we know that from this particular situation that arose or someone's looked into it. It's a dangerous game to play. And I just don't see the point. It's sometimes. so unprofessional. Like, it's mm. so unprofessional. And I just, I know we don't like talking about GNC and stuff, but it is just such a shady way to act. Because it's not just that they're anonymous. It's the opinions that a lot of the time that they're also spouting. It's like mm. you shouldn't be expressing those opinions. If you even think those opinions, I'm worried because and I guess it's the same thing when people are making quite racist comments. And I've seen, as I said, your tweets may come up and things that come up in your podcast come up on my feed. And you're like, I don't know how you think that's OK to say as a public doctor who sees patients. It could be things like racist things, like when that kind of topic comes up and you're like, that is such an obviously racist way to think and I really it makes me sick to think that a black or brown person could be coming to you as a patient and you can't see how your behavior is racist do you know what I mean Mm. and I think that's the thing with the anonymous accounts is that let's say what's this with this particular situation they made a horrible judgment about someone based Mm. on their own health and it's so how are you going to treat your patients who have the same conditions or mm. present with the same conditions. If it, it is scary. It's it? just, you shouldn't be expressing these opinions. Have you? Have we talked about this guy called Asim Malhotra? Do you know who that is? Asim Malhotra? The cardiologist? Is he uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he yeah. seems to express a lot of opinions that a lot of people would say that's quite detrimental to the wider mm. medical field. But he seems to be all right. He seems to, be, as far as we can tell, nothing's really happened. So mm. I don't know. What does the GMC really do? Because mm. you hear these very extreme things. Did you hear about the laptop thing that came up? I think someone, this was a while ago, I think they were trying to get a laptop from work and then they were told that they could get a laptop when the next few laptops oh, come out. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So they you were get these extremes. That came yeah, that's right. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, you get these extremes where not very much has happened, but they seem to have get taken mm. to town over it. 
But then you've got these other situations where it seems like quite a lot's going on, but nothing seems to happen. So you just don't really know. It would be nice to know exactly where the lines are, but I'm not sure we, no one ever really knows what the lines are, which is why some of these guys feel like they can say what they want. Yeah. I just, I, maybe it's harsh, but I just can't see how you can be a good doctor and express those kind of thoughts. Like, you shouldn't have those thoughts. It's not even that you shouldn't be expressing them publicly or anonymously. It's just you shouldn't be having those thoughts. That's what I think is just so bizarre about these people. Yeah, I know. I really wish they would just listen to me, mate, and just stop doing the anonymous <laughs> thing. You, if we know who you are, please just stop it. You're being silly now. There, There is someone that is, I don't know, I always feel bad to say this, but they they become a bit of a med Twitter villain. I don't like, I don't really like using that phrase. I think everyone's got their opinion. And I think you can still learn from, yeah, he's had some bad takes over the years. But I'm not going to say the person's name, but they said, I do wonder how many of these Twitter active anonymous junior doctors did any due diligence of a career in medicine before applying to med school, or do they just want to do what their parents wanted slash expect them to do? So it doesn't often, it normally comes out with complete rubbish, a lot of the time, mm. in my humble opinion. But I think on this one, I thought, yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the argument would be that by being anonymous, you can really express what you want to say. Mm. You really want to say something, you really want to get it out of your system, and you want people to know what's going on. And then by... Going anonymous, you can really say how you feel about the working conditions and all that kind of thing. But then I guess what his argument is that due diligence would mean that it's predictable. And in some ways, I don't think much has changed in the last 10 years with regards to the way medicines are run. The things that we see coming up over time, like I relate to those things from when I was a junior. These emails that are coming out, the racism mm. that come out, the pay issue that's coming, the rotors that happen. Like, as far as I remember, that's been going on for absolute like ages. So I guess his argument would be, if you knew that, then, you know... I don't know. No, I think it has changed. Firstly, I mean... Better or worse then? Go on. 12 years of a certain group of people in charge has definitely changed the Yeah, we've been accused of being anti-Tory. I love everyone, so I'm not anti-Tory at all. (laughs) 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 Okay, but no, what I'm saying is the NHS has changed. It has changed so much, and... I think it has changed so much since I even I qualified because I qualified and then a few years later we had the junior doctor strikes and then mm. a lot of so I had that stage where we were still working those seven days back to back or two mm. weeks back to back remember where they yeah. don't do that anymore and it has changed a lot but also I think it's got so much worse I genuinely do think people the morale has just gone where people just got on with things and now mm. everyone's just I think the burnout is just insane. And the thing is, you know, I feel really bad because I, like I said, I teach very early medical students. So they're, they've just started medical school, some of them. And they, one of the things that they talk about is how everyone is so negative about the career. And they are really smart, really charming, intelligent, fantastic people. And they are coming in to do medicine from so many backgrounds now and mm. so many reasons to do that. And they're obviously going to be incredible doctors and change things. But they see everyone else and they're just already demoralized from first year. And it's really sad. Like, I have to really try and balance myself and Mm. remind them that actually, you know what? I know it sounds and feels really rubbish right now, but there's a reason I still go to work. And there's a reason why I'm still here teaching you because there is that faith in what we do. But that, to put it on other people and the people going into medicine and then say, why are you complaining? You know what it's like. Mm. It's just, it's a stupid comment, to be honest, because things have changed so much. Yeah, they have changed. They have changed. If for anyone that is a junior and or at a medical school and are thinking maybe this wasn't a, bad, a good idea, the thing is medicine is so vast. Like, if you, yeah. I've said this before. If you want to do nothing, you can go do nothing. You genuinely could do nothing. Like, very, as in... You're not running around. You're not doing the night shifts. You're not doing. There are jobs where you can do that. You basically, if you've got, if you choose the life that you want, then yeah. you can work your way towards it. And I think this is what I keep do, telling right? them. Yeah, because yeah, look at I look at your career, but also mm. look at my career. If I explain to people what I do, I work mm. four sessions as a salary doctor, so two days a week as a salary doctor. Then I work kind of two days teaching, and then I do crafting I literally Mm. craft for a day and get paid for it and it's incredible I it's a career that I never thought I could create but it's one that I genuinely enjoy it stimulates me in so many different ways and it's just like the right balance where I actually go into being a g my gp days and I enjoy it I actually enjoy my work I couldn't do that work if I didn't have the craft side of things if I wasn't doing a photography tutorial for hobby craft I sound so silly when I go talk about that compared to when I'm in my kind of GP head and Mm. talking to patients but it's such 
an amazing feeling to be able to carve out a career. And I, that's one of the things I tell my students and my juniors, you shouldn't ever feel trapped. Like the thing mm. about medicine is that, yeah, there's loads of difficult parts, but you can take the reins, you can create the career you want to. It's not easy and it has been tough in loads of ways. I feel like I've got about four different jobs at all times. Yeah, but, but like you choose it's... to. You choose to. As in yeah, you, you and made I love an active it. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think people feel trapped. And I think this is the thing about training as well. Because you are on a treadmill, you're there for five to six years, a medical student from 18. Then you go into foundation years and that's already for you two years. And then you go into some sort of training and it's just mm. you feel like you don't have control and you don't get a breather mm. that's probably one of the big reasons i did gp because i just got fed up of being under someone else's thumb like i just mm. wanted to get out which i, think I mean yeah I, I was similar i think for me i was like okay first of all i need something that's to run through program that's what i need i don't want to be applying for anything between i don't mm. want to be thinking about anything else. i just want to get in and get through and then when i look at the other end i want to see what they're doing so if they're doing nothing i want to do some of that or just not and i, I need to be short as possible actually for me anyway remember it was gp yeah. or radiology and yeah, yeah. I took a punt on radiology and it worked but GP was a very viable option but I think that's what people need to understand from yourself and myself and others as well that I think part of the issue may be and I'm almost feel a bit embarrassed even I haven't really said what I get up to in my normal day because I almost feel embarrassed that it doesn't involve work all the time but I think maybe that's something that should change that people should be like if I don't work 13, 14 hours a day every single day of the week, then yeah. maybe that's not a bad thing. I shouldn't be embarrassed yeah. that this is the way that I've chosen my life to be because I think at some point you do make an active choice in terms of what you want to get up to. And it may yeah. be that you make less money, but you have more time. That just, yeah. And that may be the way it is. And that's fine, yeah. right? Yeah. That, and that's what I find when I, ever I tell people about my career, like so many students have come back to me and said, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't mm. know it was possible to do what you do. And I was like, that's because we don't really talk about it. And like you said, I feel embarrassed sometimes, especially when you talk to people who are like, oh, what diplomas are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I really like education. I don't have a special interest. I literally have <laughs> no special interest in anything clinical. I really like crafting and I really like teaching. <laughs> like, it makes you feel like less of a doctor, but it's if you knew how much of my craft stuff and my other stuff and my teaching stuff brings to me as a doctor and vice versa, how much of that experience as a doctor I can bring to those other elements. Like mm. you wouldn't see it as anything less than a positive, but because it's not the standard black and white kind of the career path, people just think it's weird, but I think we mm. do need to that and I think we need to role model those careers for people who are further earlier in their careers and are feeling worn down and I think the other thing and sorry I'm going a bit of a rant here I think it's so important to nurture us as people Mm. like and I think this is what really we're really lacking and I think one of the things I was doing when I was a teaching fellow was talking about person-centered care and it was for patients and it was brilliant and how we we shift away from treating people as diseases and things like that and actually seeing the whole person, the Mm. whole person that fits into a family, into a society, into a community, and that's how we treat them. And I think what we really need to do is really focus that back on ourselves because Mm. we are people and we have interests. And if we don't nurture those interests and give ourselves time and space and grace to nurture those interests and things, whether that's being with your family, whether that's baking, whether it's painting, whether it's podcasting, whatever. If we don't nurture those things, we're going to suffocate ourselves and it makes us better doctors. So we shouldn't be being snobby about the person who has a bit of a YouTube channel or I'm taking random examples, but we should Mm. be encouraging this because this is how we get longevity in our careers because we will Mm. enjoy it and we'll be better doctors for it. I really hate when people are like, Oh, I can't do... But honestly, some of my students are amazing. They're like trained as chefs. They do artwork. They're wow. incredible people. They're learning how to sew, some of them. It's really lovely. And oh, cool. I just think we have to encourage that. But you know what? Rant. Interesting. You remember I did... I did yeah, you remember I did the comedy course recently because I just thought, well, yeah. time now. I'm going to do it. But actually, that was really fun. And uh, I feel like it did help. I like to do a lot of teaching. I do run a relation mm-hmm. business side. I do a bit of YouTube and I've started to pop up on other forums. But that comedy course was like amazing as, a, as something to bring forwards and bring into some of the teaching because you do throw mm. in a few jokes and you've rewritten it from before and you've thought about it and things like that. And I just think that there's not enough of that sort of cross-pollination between things because an ordinary, per- like if I went back to my consultants when I was training, I said, oh, you know what, I think I'm going to take a comedy course and I want to get mm. CPD points for it and maybe get funding for it. People are like, absolutely not. Who's going to do a yeah. comedy course? How's it going to help you for anything? But mm. actually... 
And that comedy course has ended up being like so useful. And then obviously, as you, I've been getting into a bit of video editing and sound editing and stuff like that. And actually, these skills are proving more and more useful as time goes on, because yeah. I think this is a medium that we all need to learn how to communicate in. And it's not I don't think it's so much as you need your people who are going to be have the big accolades, undoubtedly are going to push the boundaries of everything. But you also need people who can communicate that in whatever medium possible. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point in having the knowledge out there? It's just going to sit on mm. a, on some journal somewhere and never get see the light of day. Yeah. So there has to be like effective communicators. And I think as doctors, we need to be effective communicators. And there is more than one way to do it. And I would actually encourage anyone to think about going on to drama classes and stuff like that. Because do you remember when we did like those medical exams? I mean, it, a lot of it felt like acting. Yeah. Oh, you've got yeah, a patient. Yeah. Now you've got to act yeah. out the scenario. Is that I'm doing drama, is it? That's what it feels like. But... It is. You have to, sometimes you've got to act a certain way. You've got to act as something that you're not to get through yeah. a situation that you're not comfortable with, right? But don't you think so much of medicine is built, as in the current way it's structured, is built on you having to sacrifice and just encompass just being a doctor? Like, your whole life has to revolve around being a doctor. You literally timetabled around your rotor, whether mm. you get married on a certain weekend. Your entire life gets, just revolves around being a doctor and that's what's expected of you. So you're expected mm. to, I know this is going to be a topic that comes up, but you're expected to sacrifice your free time to, mm. to fill shifts because that's yeah. what you're expected to do. You are a doctor. That is the only mm. thing you're supposed to prioritise in your life. And this is what I think is going to kill our career and our juniors like genuinely mm. I think this is how we're going to burn everyone out and everyone's going to quit because we mm. don't let them nurture we don't let ourselves nurture those other aspects of our lives which are so important mm. and it's because we just expect from day one you're a medic that's it you're mm. a medicine you don't get to do anything else that's it and I think we just carry on that path. Actually, do you remember when I was flunking radiology really badly? And I think there was one point where it got really bad. And I think one of these consultants actually took me to the side and took me to an office. And this person's quite senior. And I thought he would go and go at me again. And she said actually something that I'll always remember. She goes, it seems like you're working quite hard. Are you okay? And I said, well, I'm always working. And then she was like, are you really studying? And you're not really getting through the exams. And you feel you seem like you're constantly stressed. And I said, yes, I am. Obviously, I've got a lot on my plate. And then she says to me, yeah, when was the last time you went out and just had a good time? So a long time. Yeah. I've been, I feel like I've been studying forever. And she goes, did you know that like seeing your family, seeing your friends, going out, that's like the petrol that gives you the fuel to keep going. And if yeah. you don't do that, you're going to run out. So my advice to you is not to work harder is to actually do the opposite and work less hard and concentrate yeah. on the other things. And I think that has been like one of the most game changers because that kind of started to make me realize that this is just a job, right? And yeah. everything else is far more important, which is why I've manipulated things to enable me to be at home more often and stuff yeah. like that. But I think this is often lost. And I think we get pulled into the idea that you have to give everything if you're going to be successful. If you want to be successful, yeah. you have to do this. But actually, I think there are, I've come to realize that different ideas of success and the ones that are pushed onto you by med school and maybe your peers aren't may not be necessarily be success to you because to people who look at me they may say you're not very successful in mine you're not doing any papers you're not going out you're not doing anything mm. but then to me I feel like yeah I am successful I get to I don't know go to the gym in the middle of the day and yeah. pick up my kids every single day and they never yeah. get to really miss me because I'm always around those things make me feel like successful and I think when you are a med student I would highly, and I've actually get people message me a lot nowadays and mm. end up talking to them. And the only thing I really tell them is to work backwards. Think about the way that you want your life to be and work backwards and think, how am I going to get to that life? If it's turning up yeah. one day a week, then make it happen. There's a way mm. to make it happen. There will be somewhere, and it may not be where you're training, but it may be yeah. somewhere in the world that will allow that to happen. You've just got to keep that aim in life. But yeah, I think that's hopefully our, both our rants yeah. on work-life balance, isn't it? <laughs> we both ranted about that. Because I feel like I talk about this a lot on this podcast and maybe that's why I don't know why people listen to this anyway let's move on to another tweet mm. uh, someone a moribund doctor said I still don't finish the ward round at 1pm today and was shouted at by a nurse and a patient relative because TTOs were not confused were not finished mm. I cancel my shift tomorrow on the same ward because no amount of money is worth the way I was treated today that's what you're saying but you're yeah. more like my free time's not worth that kind of money but this is about being treated like how yeah. badly you want to be treated for the money to be worth it well, I do right. know. I think for me, it's not so much either the free time. It's also the intensity and the stress that comes in working. Especially mm. GP is just right now so awful. It's really difficult. Can you tell me exactly more about that. this? Because a few GPs said this, and I don't buy it. 
What? <laughs> Excuse me? Come over. Come over. Next time you come over and say that to my face. Say that to my face and see. What do you mean? No, carry on. What Tell me. Mean? I want people to know what's so what's going with GP. Tell them what's happening. Like what it's... the struggles of GP. That's what people want to know. I can't the tell them that because I'm not a GP. Yeah. Like... No, if I do the GP rant, you know what? You're gonna have to have me on at a different time because I can go on about a GP for hours. It's yeah. Did you? I think maybe it was last week. I was talking to someone about this, and I was saying like the weirdest thing about life right now is that let's say we're talking about the two week wait and you know how the scans are not being mm. reported soon and there's a whole delay and the whole management system. <laughs> What they do is go after the GPs, even though it probably should be. I'm not saying it should be, but there's probably more complexities here. But the, you need more radiologists to report those scans. That's what you need, right? Yeah. You need more people yeah. reporting and getting those things done. But instead, they say, no, we need to make it easier for GPs to refer for scans. That's the problem. And although that may help your situation, it also highlights that you are the situation, that mm. you're the problem, not me. It's not me seeing seeing and not doing the report. It's, well, you're not letting them through in the first place. So this agenda that... GPs are like the course of everything. I find bizarre, the, but it I, seems no, to be my the public blood pressure rhetoric. is already going. <laughs> if you want my argument in a nutshell, some people, again, not naming people, but people have been eroding GPs to the point where I genuinely have no idea what is happening to our profession. We've completely undermined GP as a profession. I have a whole rant. I do this on, honestly, day in, day out. Lunch break, come home. I tell my husband as well. It's scary what's happening to GP because on the hospital side of things, we're we're seen as let's be honest, not real doctors half the time. We don't know what we're doing. We're referring too much. We're we're not managing things well enough in the community. And then on the other side of things, patients don't believe we're doctors. Genuinely, they just oh, don't see us doctors oh, well, anymore. Okay. No, okay. we just uh, remember the whole self-referral thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were going to do this a couple of weeks ago. And I'm glad we postponed it from mm. after the Labour Party's fantastic tweets. People don't see us doctors anymore. They see us as barriers and referral machines. That's it. We're barriers to secondary care because you guys are the real doctors. They just need their scans. They just need their MRIs. They just need their referral. They need to be seen by the specialist. They don't mm. see us as doctors. And... So we're the barriers. We're apparently very difficult to get hold of. We're. I have these. Co no, I can't even do this. I can't do this because I will. Ha I will go on for an hour <laughs> about how. Because there will be things like I. I'm, I'm not saying the system is working. Obviously, the system is not working. There's a reason why it's not working. We're completely overwhelmed. When people come in and they're like, <coughs> "I was fortieth on the line on the phone." I've had patients come up and say that. And it's been mm. really hard for me to get a phone, a phone call or an appointment with you face to face. And I'm like, OK, you're here now. Let's try and talk about your problem. I'm really sorry about that. And they're like, no, I don't understand. I have to wait so long to get on the phone to get to an appointment to speak to you. And it's, it's outrageous. And I was like, well, you know what? When there's 49 people in front of you, that means there's 49 other people who are trying to see a doctor. And they're always like, yeah, but they're not as sick as me. And I was like, mm. every single patient is saying that. So what mm. are we supposed to do? And I think people can't conceptualize this. They find it really difficult to understand that when there are 29 or 49 people in front of you, that is actual people with actual problems who also want to see their GP. And how many GPs are there on the other side? There's not that many of them. There's a limited number of people and there's a limited number of work. And the amount of work that we do, like when Tove sees my list and he sees my laptop, he's just, mm. it's an open-ended thing. It's open-ended mm. and it's, so high intensity and I think people don't understand it from the patient point of view and from the hospital point of view obviously we know that everyone's very busy backlogged with covid and everything else but there's a real push from secondary care for us to manage more and more complexity and so we're dealing with things that we shouldn't really be dealing with we're prescribing medications that we really shouldn't you know we're not mm. really supposed to and we're just stuck and then everyone hates us in, as well as and we hear these articles about what a gp's doing that your waiting rooms are empty you're not even working you're not seeing patients you're like it's bizarre isn't it? the assumption is that you're doing nothing if they can't yeah. see you working then you're not working you're chilling in the background i um, don't even know how we got into that i told you don't start i can go on i can go on but you know what but, i have to say i don't know if i get in trouble for this but the private sector is booming because of this it is unbelievable yeah. if you look at this the request coming through is can't get this through. My GP didn't let this through. I'm sick of waiting for the scan. 
and especially MSK, it's just yeah. there are literally so many scans, and the request literally is it's taking too long. NHS taking too long. NHS taking. Too long. Is this the bigger picture? Is that what's going on? Is that what the you lot yeah, are trying obviously. to do? Like you're trying to push. That's us to... literally it. That's it's the erosion. Um, it's complete yeah, it's erosion I mean, of what it's we have. There. Yeah. It's all there. It's all there for the taking. There was another another tweet actually. So yeah, we're, I mean, you, we're talking about Daytexes. Do you remember Daytexes? Yeah. Didn't they yeah, get yeah, renamed the... while we were? Oh, did Juniors? they? I feel like someone renamed again. Renamed them. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway, they're talking about renaming them again. We've been down this road, haven't we? Yeah, what do you think? Actually, there's someone called Vikas. I don't know. Do you know Vikas Shah? He's a really nice guy, a radiologist who's... He tweeted something today. Basically, he was... I can't find the exact tweet, but he was basically saying that he's been around long enough that all the... We know when they come out with new initiatives to deal with... They've done it before, but they're still talking about the new initiatives because there's a new team that's come forward and he's got to the point where he's... We've done this before, everyone. (laughs) It's so fun, isn't it? It's so true. We're just dealing with the same things and then getting people to come out with the same answers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the x-ray doctor, if you do want to check him out, he's awesome. He loves to talk about radiology. He goes, yeah, I'm at the stage of the, my NHS career where every new initiative, idea or approach is just a rehash of something from before. It's cyclical. The same conversations, just a different set of people. It's depressing to be the one saying, well, we've done this before. Yeah. I don't mm. know if I've quite got to that stage, but you can imagine that is probably going to happen at some point where uh, yeah just come on mate we've been there we've done this how many times are you going to go down the same road we say we'll find the same fire i know you say that has changed but i don't know man the entire time i've been working the uh, it's always the same we get like some sort of black alert it's a black alert yeah they're discharging many people and then we get over it and was like yay high five emails go around everyone did a fantastic job a week later we're back on black alert can we just deal with maybe not getting into this alert situation in the first place instead of having to yeah. deal with the problem when it gets there surely we should know this is likely to happen again unless something is done from the root cause you just, you just want to the change problem. the criteria <laughs> have you been watching just that from just learning from when they were doing the COVID numbers, isn't it? We're just going to change the criteria. Yeah, it's not going well. How many people have COVID <laughs> right now? So it looks like there's a lot less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love stuff like this because a lot of it is quite comical. If you take a step back and if it wasn't real life, you'd probably laugh. The thing was, is that the MP? Come on, man. It was blatant. Tax was being amiss on some level. Come on. Let's, not, let's just get through all the mistakes that happen. I, I ignored a few. Look. <laughs> People don't want it, especially these, they don't want to pay tax. They will do everything they can not. There's an entire industry related to not paying tax. So when someone gets caught out for it, they were trying to not pay tax. Do I need to spell that out to anyone? Please <laughs> do not fall for this, okay? So this is another one of the situations where it, the game is blatant. But it's so blatant. If, Stop but no, it. but we're at the stage where people, if people just say it enough, then people just start to believe it. You know what I mean? Like, you just say... <laughs> wrong false information enough and then people just get bored or they just start believing it all that oh, you know what and then they move on yeah i just love it like boris did you see that where he was asking for loan advice or something anyway there was this whole loan thing and the thing that's come back is boris will now stop asking for loan advice no that was that wasn't the issue the issue was he made friends in high places that made things happen it was it's obvious we all know what happened please stop pretending but they were like, oh, yeah, no, we'll talk about the other thing. And, all right, fine. You lot carry on. Yeah, I'm too cynical in my old age as well now. I just, yeah, you just carry on and just keep doing what you're doing. I don't expect any less. There's something also quite nice about, <laughs> maybe I'm being, I don't know. There's, when I talk about this kind of stuff with my colleagues at work and when I'm like, I have no idea if GP is going to be around when I retire. I don't know what my career path is going to be because it mm. just looks like we're going to disappear. And they're like, nah, we've done this before. As you said, they're like, don't worry. We've seen this before. We've gone around this cycle. We've done this. Don't worry. Things will sort themselves out. And it's quite nice. I mean, there is a bit of a, even they have shifted a bit, but it is quite nice. And I don't know, reassuring that they've already done this before. And they're like, Mm. yeah, we've done this. It's all right. Don't worry. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Actually, I remember when I was applying to radiology, people like, oh, teleradiology is something that's coming up. And what they're all going to do is just ship it out to people from abroad. And they're going to just come out with cheap reports and stuff like that. On some level, yes and no. There's just not enough radiologists in the world in general. And then mm. there's a big argument, oh, no, we can't let radiographers do reporting because if they do that, then there are going to be fewer jobs. Radiology is dead. It's, yeah, but if you've got every single radiographer that was interested in doing reporting radiology, there's still too much work to do. And some radiographers actually have to do some radiographer work as well. Like they're not doing full reporting all day. Yeah. So this is the same. It's been the same thing for the, ever since I started. And there's just yeah. been a slightly different thing. So now they're going to talk about AI. Fine. Fair enough. Like AI may happen, whatever. It's going to take but all your jobs. Exactly. Go ahead. Because there's always <laughs> other things to do. And yeah. life is so big and vast and stuff. You just find something else to do. It's all right, mate. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So maybe there is something quite nice about it, comforting about it. 
Yeah, maybe there is. Yeah, maybe there is. Yeah, maybe they, these lots should keep tax evading or just keep having the same conversations <laughs> again and again. Like, yeah, I've been there before. There's another MP not so long ago who did exactly the same thing. To be clear, I was referring to the tweet and not the politicians <laughs> avoiding tax. Look, his horses needed to be heated. Isn't that amazing? His horses needed to be heated. He and he was disgusted when they found when he found out that the horses would be the horses heating was being what do you call it, expense to the public. Disgusted, mm. really. You've got an entire team of people and no notice that the horses being heated by taxpayers' money. <laughs> Is that really possible? Please. Let's everyone just stop being silly. Everyone yeah. grow up. It's not a movie. It is. It's kind of, it, is, it almost is a movie these days, like it's a bad movie. It's farcical these days. It is. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's entertaining as long as you don't get too upset by it. I think, you know, amazingly, Romana, you, I, don't, I don't think you were convinced we'd talk for an hour, but we have about oh. Med Twitter. It's been an hour oh, and a bit. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So I think we probably should stop because I've got to do editing and I've got 10 scans okay. to do before I go to sleep. So, yeah, Romana, thank you for coming on. I think it's been a while coming. Do you actually ever listen to the podcast? I don't think you have. I don't think you ever I listened know, to it. I know. I did listen to it a lot. And like then you just one. turned out quite... No, I listened to a good... I went into double digits. I went into double digits. I'm not going to oh, say wow. where. But then you turned <laughs> out too many and then I just couldn't keep up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we've kept up. I don't know why we keep doing this. I don't know why. It just became... You know what? It became habit. It just became a habit. Yeah. Like... Thrusha's already keeping up with it I'm keeping up with it I'm part of all these groups that are talking about it all the time yeah. anyway and then it just seems to be like even Rabia your podcast now aren't you oh yeah I am yeah I just can just I wondered. can I say something to your audience though yes Maybe go on ahead your no you go for you. it you go for it you go for it this okay. is the point where we say Romana do you have any parting words go for it I was gonna say how I guess oh thank you but like how amazing this has been for you though I know you do your podcasting stuff on the side, but I don't really get involved with that. I see mm. you. And I think this medical Twitter and this community that you've created has really changed things for you. Like you've got such a passion for it, which is really nice. But also it's really opened your eyes up to very different topics. We have completely different conversations, I feel, mm. than we did before. Think Even things like, um, I did tell him off about this, but you know, when you went back to Bangladesh and you found pictures of our granddad and you tweeted mm. that and like that curiosity about our history and where we came from, he the reason why I told him off, just so people understand, <laughs> was that he tweeted a picture that he found of our granddad in medical school in Bangladesh, black and white picture, to you guys before he had even sent it to me. His family, <laughs> his own family. He tweeted it yeah. to you guys, medical Twitter people, before he did. And I think it's been really nice to see you get really passionate about something, but also engage with some really amazing people. And just, it's, I think it's just been a really nice demonstration of how important it is to talk to people that you may not necessarily talk to otherwise and create those bonds and relationships outside of your normal circle because you have you've met mm. so many people through this podcast yeah it's been life-changing i didn't expect it to be like it was meant to be a joke it was meant to be yeah and we didn't expect anyone to really listen if you listen to episode one well, if anyone listens to just drop us a comment and then it just started this yes it's been work but it's been enjoyable work and uh, opened my eyes to like little things like what other people's life experiences are and how different they are to mine come on i know dad worked hard but we had a nice life like we mm. had a wonderful life. We both yeah. went to a wonderful school and all those kind of things when you realize that, you know what, not everyone has a nice life. Not everyone has a nice thing. Not everyone has a nice experience of things. And uh, even your but experience. But that's, what, that's why I want to say thank you to your audience because they have created that for you. And I think it it's always been therapy for you in lots of ways. As in it's yeah, just, yeah, it has 100%. changed your life. And I think having seen you from the other side and seeing you as your sister, I can see what a positive impact this has had. And it may just be having a safe space to debrief. And I think there is such an important, another one of my rants is about having safe spaces for us to talk about mm. things. And I think it has been a really amazing safe space for you. So I guess a big thank you to your audience for creating that and the people who come on and the people who tweet to give you that content. I didn't realise I was going to say thank you to your followers and stuff. But there you yeah, go. I didn't know. I didn't. I did not expect that at all. Thankfully, no one comes after me. I don't know why they should. <laughs> But yeah, ah, they, they need yeah. me to come on, do a Q, do a question and answer. What is he really like behind the yeah. scenes? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I was, I think Thrusha was looking forward to you coming on because I jokingly said you're going to find someone who's going to basically, yeah, know what I'm actually like. So yeah, anyway, you do know. There you go. Things have <laughs> changed for me significantly since starting this podcast, and I would encourage everyone, even if you don't start a podcast, to talk to more people because that's what mm. this has forced me to do. Because otherwise, I've said this before. When you qualify as a doctor, as a radiologist or whatever, as a consultant, you already know where your life is going. You've seen it all before. You've seen exactly mm. where it's going to go. 
So you might as well do things a little bit different. Just do things you want to do. And I think that's been something that I've tried to do with the comedy stuff and the podcast and the YouTube. And there are a few other projects I'm going into that I think, why am I doing this? Like, why on earth am I doing this? And I think, actually, you know what? If I didn't, then I know exactly where it's going to go to. I won't. It's the same old story. So I might as well change things up a bit and learn something new. Anyway, yeah. thanks for coming on. I will be editing this now okay. <laughs> and putting this out. So everyone have a great week. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my sister. I've actually, yeah, and also do follow her as she is. Wait, do you want them to follow you? You want craft people, don't you? You don't want, you don't want med Twitter people. But anyway, do look for us. I do. If you like rants, I do occasionally rant about medicine. Think, you do. But, yeah, you um, do. I do. I, I do. I, did, I ranted last week, didn't I? You um, did. You did. And actually, you know, you've got some good causes. I think you did the sewing colour, which was like a nice little play. Oh, yeah. Racism is my thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's your thing. You called out a lot of magazines on basically only using white models, essentially, which is really good initiative because in truth, I never noticed. I didn't even know that was a problem until you mentioned it. Definitely worth giving a follow, especially if you're into into crafts and stuff. So, yeah, thank you. And uh, I'll see you. I'll see you all next week with Trusha. And Roman, I know that will have you back, especially if you've got some I thought you meant me. Yeah. Am I going to see you next week, maybe? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm pretty free next week. But anyway, look, anyway, we'll probably have you on the podcast soon enough if you want to do another proper rant about GP or maybe even a sp- oh, GP yeah, special. Yeah. You want to do that? A GP special? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right. Thanks, everyone. All Bye. Right. Bye.